You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Welcome back, and thanks for listening to Grounded. In Oregon right now, it's all eclipse all the time, since we're just over a week away from being cast in the dark during the total solar eclipse on August 21st. While we all geek out about this amazing celestial event, the energy industry is also geeking out about how solar arrays across the country might respond as the moon crosses over and blocks the sun's rays. Today, we're on the phone with Rob Delmar, one of the Oregon Department of Energy's policy analysts. Rob is our solar energy expert and works out of Bend, Oregon. So, Rob, how's it going over there in Eclipse Central? So far, so good. Nice sunny day today and no sign of an eclipse until Monday, so on the 21st. <laughs> but yeah. people are getting geared up. Does it seem like there are more people coming into town, or is uh, the Bend area getting getting ready for the influx of visitors they're expecting? Yeah, I think people are getting ready. You know, Bend has a pretty um, active tourism season in the summer anyway, so they're they're well geared to handle a lot of folks coming into town. I think that people aren't really expecting to see major crowds until the weekend prior to the event. Well, I know Oregon is definitely on watch for uh, an expected uh, maybe even one million extra visitors to the state. So uh, I think it will be an interesting week for sure. As uh, we're all geeking out about the eclipse, the solar industry has also been talking quite a bit about the eclipse and how it might affect solar arrays across the country. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. The nature of an eclipse is um, in some ways something that the solar industry and especially utility operators um, are already used to doing, um, but in some ways it's going to throw a few challenges at them as well. And when I say it's what they're used to doing, you know, solar facilities already turn on and turn off every day just by nature of the sunrise and sunset. So they're used to dealing with the on and off ramps of solar coming onto the system. What makes the eclipse unique is one, that it's going to happen in the middle of the morning when solar is usually ramping up and near its peak capacity. And the other thing that makes it unique is the um, the rate of that ramp. And so it will shut down fairly quickly and then it'll come back on even more quickly. In some markets like California, and also on the East Coast in the Carolinas where they have a lot of solar installed, they will actually have operational challenges to deal with the eclipse. And it appears that they're going to be handling it in a few different ways across the country. That's a good point about California. I think that uh, in terms of grid usage, California uses a lot more solar energy on the grid than Oregon does. And so they will have to prepare a little differently than we will here in Oregon, right? Yeah. California has way more solar interconnected than we do in Oregon. And they're going to be preparing for essentially a giant dip in the solar production on the morning of the the 21st. What that means is that what is normally a period of fairly low load for the utilities because all the solar is online is going to be a period of much higher load. And in California, 
they're expecting approximately 6,000 megawatts of solar to be diminished during the eclipse. So that's 6,000 megawatts of, of power that they're going to have to find from some other source. And they've got that power available because they have to handle a similar ramp in the morning and evening as their solar turns on and off on the normal cycle of the sun. But this one will just be operationally a little different because it's going to occur in the middle of the morning. And also it will be in, in the middle of the morning on a Monday when presumably people are at work unless they're taking the day off to view the eclipse. That's right. Yeah, it'll be business as usual for a lot of folks and um, for the utility operators. It will be an event that requires a lot of careful planning and operation of the grid. So here in Oregon, uh, our citizens won't need to do anything different to, to to take this into account, right? They won't. In California, they're actually asking people to conserve energy during the eclipse, and that will help mitigate the challenges of operating the grid during the eclipse and dealing with the solar cutting off. In Oregon, we've got much less of a challenge. I mentioned in California that they're expecting approximately 6,000 megawatts of solar to come offline during the eclipse. In Oregon, the total connected solar capacity is only about 300 megawatts. To put that in perspective, it's about half a percent of the load for the two largest investor-owned utilities in the state, so PGE and Pacific Power. Only about half a percent of their their load is being provided by solar. So this is really a tiny blip for operators of the grid in Oregon, whereas in California, it's a major blip because they have so much more solar installed in California than we do in Oregon. How about in Oregon, if somebody has solar panels installed on their roof, would you expect them to notice a difference in their production on Eclipse Day? Yeah, they will have a diminished day of production. It'll probably look like a partly cloudy day. The solar system and the inverter um, that operates that system will be able to ramp down, turn off, and ramp back up all on its own. The homeowners won't have to do anything to um, to plan for this eclipse. All of the all of the gear will automatically turn back on as soon as the the sun comes back around from the shadow of the moon. So they won't have to do anything, but they will see a less production on Monday than they would on say Sunday or Tuesday of that week. All the more reason to uh, turn out all the lights and go outside and watch the show, huh? Definitely. So you talked a lot about what Oregon is doing and what California is doing to prepare for the eclipse. Uh, Anything else major happening across the country? In other states, they also have a lot of solar installed. And one example is in North Carolina, where they've installed a lot of solar in the last five years, way more than what we have in Oregon. And my understanding is that grid operators in North Carolina are actually planning to essentially shut down the solar preemptively and not have it go down and come back up with the eclipse, but that they would actually cut it off before the eclipse starts and bring it back online in the afternoon so that they don't have to manage around 
the the dip in production that the eclipse is going to cause. And in this way, they can use their conventional power sources to essentially provide all of the power during the morning of the eclipse and then bring the solar back online in the afternoon without having to deal with the ramping down and then ramping back up of that solar production um, when the eclipse occurs. That's an interesting strategy. So whereas California is just taking into account that there will be a dip and then a ramp back up, North Carolina is just saying, all right, we're just going to shut it down instead of instead That's of worrying about. That's my understanding. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Do you know why they're doing it that way? I don't. It may be that they don't have the um, capabilities to manage the kind of ramps that they're expecting in North Carolina. And in California, they've been experiencing significant solar on and off ramps, as you might call them, just with the amount of capacity that they've already got installed in the state. So they're very used to bringing um, resources online to quickly compensate for the solar energy either coming online in the morning or coming offline in the afternoon. And the eclipse is really just a a miniature version of a a nighttime event for solar where the the solar is going to turn off and then turn back on. And so it's a it's the type of thing that grid operators are dealing with on a daily basis with solar anyway. And the fact that it occurs at a different time of the day presents interesting new challenges, but it also, um, in states like California, they appear to be well-organized and well-equipped to handle those ramps of the solar turning off and then back on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to hear what they what lessons are learned uh, after the after the big event on August twenty first. Yeah, I think that California will automatically have a reduction in load because a lot of their residents are going to be driving north to Oregon. Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well, that's that's who you're going to see in Bend uh, in just over a week. So get prepared. Yeah, well, I'm sure Salem will have your fair share as well. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Rob, and uh, and good luck on Eclipse Day. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, and same to you on Eclipse Day. The countdown is on to August 21st. Make sure you have your safety glasses and your spot picked out to view the show. Oregon Department of Energy staff will be on site in the state's emergency coordination center in Salem on Eclipse Day, ready to respond as we welcome up to 1 million visitors to the state. Follow state agency updates on Twitter and Facebook with the hashtag OREclipse. Be safe, and most of all, have fun. All episodes of Grounded are available on soundcloud.com slash Oregon Energy. Learn about our work at oregon.gov energy. Subscribe to Grounded on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn. And please rate us. Your reviews help others find our podcast. Until next time, thanks again for listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.